It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the stone that was rolled away so that you and I could have real life someday. It's about the cross, the beginning of the story. It's about God's Son nailed to a tree. It's about how every drop of blood that flowed from Him when it should have been me. It's about the stone that was rolled away so that you and I could have real life someday. So that you It's about the cross. It's about the cross. Can we have more piano in the monitor, please? <laughs> I can hear it over there, but I can't hear it over here. <laughs> the voices sound even. Yes, the voices are good. You want to do it at least from this part again, like toward the end? Yeah, like the second. <laughs> yeah, not really, but you know. <laughs> so after the second verse? Rolled away so that 
look at the scripture text for the message this morning on the screen there in front of you. <coughs> we'll look at uh, two passages of scripture. The first one, Isaiah chapter 7. It's amazing because this is the uh, prophetic announcement of Jesus coming and uh, what his name would be and the significance, by the way, right in the middle of that, of course, is the virgin birth. And uh, this was uh, foretold more than 700 years prior to its event. And so this is, uh, it's significant. It's, uh, it's a uh, game changer, if you will, for all of us. And so I'll read two verses, Isaiah chapter 7 and then also Matthew chapter 1. It'll be on the screen there in front of you, but you're welcome to turn to the passages there, Isaiah seven fourteen and Matthew one twenty. The Bible reads, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign, behold a virgin shall conceive, and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Then Matthew chapter number 1, verse 23, is the fulfillment. Behold a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And notice this, which being interpreted is God with us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we ask for your help and your favor today. We pray that you would uh, use your word to speak to our hearts. We pray that uh, we would be uh, faithful listeners. And I pray, God, that uh, your work and your will would again be accomplished. We ask and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. particular time of year, this season. Um, and that is uh, why he came. Um, Everything about Christ, you know, we, we recognize, of course, the birth of Christ during this particular season. I think most Bible scholars say that he was probably, probably his birth was probably sometime in October, uh, maybe. Um, but even they can't say for certain. Uh, we don't celebrate October the 25th. We're okay using December the 25th, and so I don't want anybody to uh, worry about that one way or another. But everything that points to why he came tells us very clearly in Scripture, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came for one reason. It wasn't to be born in a manger. We sing the songs that indicate that, but that's not why He came. He came so that you and I could have eternal life. You know, in uh, probably most people think, well, hey, Pastor, it's a Sunday morning. Probably most people here are saved. Well, I don't want to ever assume that of anybody. A uh, gentleman came by my office this week, and we were talking about church membership, and actually, he wound up trusting Christ as his Savior in my office. And so, uh, I don't ever want to make the assumption that anybody is born again. And you say, why is that so significant? Because the Bible says you must be born again. It's not about church membership. That's important. It's a good thing. Uh, the rights joined the church last week, and glad for that. It's not about baptism. We have several that are waiting to be baptized, and we'll be doing that shortly as well. But those things are important. Bab- baptism identifies you with the finished work of Jesus Christ. It signifies the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it doesn't save you. It's not a component of salvation. It doesn't complete it in any way. It is simply you publicly identifying with what Jesus Christ already did. It's not you really doing anything. Putting money in an offering plate's a good thing. It's how the work of God continues, but it doesn't gain you the favor of God, and it doesn't count towards your access to heaven. Only by the finished work of Jesus Christ can we know that. 
This week, uh, of course, it's uh, the week that we observe is Christmas, and sometimes we'll see the sign that indicates this, but I'd like to preach on a simple thought this morning, that is keeping Christ in Christmas. And uh, the two passages of Scripture that we read, both Isaiah and Matthew, indicated that his name would be Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. You know, it's, it's said that this is one of the most loneliest times of the, of the year. Many people will choose to tragically end their lives because they feel so lonely. But uh, that is so opposed to why he came. The name that God would choose, Emmanuel, God with us, bears great significance and weight to each and every one of us. It means that you and I will never be alone. It means that uh, you don't have, whatever you're facing in life, you don't have to go through it alone. And, uh, you know, the world never stops for human tragedy, and tragedy and difficulties and sickness and death, it never takes a holiday. There's no vacation for that. I share with our connection group this morning, uh, a friend of ours from back in Indiana passed away yesterday evening, just uh, had a, she and her husband were driving, they were rear-ended, and it was just a minor traffic accident, and she said to her husband, uh, I think I'm going to pass out, and she actually passed away from a heart attack, uh, just from the, the trauma of uh, an accident. And one of the sweetest ladies that my wife and I ever had the opportunity to work with. And uh, just those, you know, and I'm just thinking, here we are in the middle of the holidays, and I'm thinking, you know, it's one of those questions where you kind of scratch your head and you say, God, why? And by the way, it's not unusual. It's pretty common to ask that question. You're not wrong for asking it. A lot of great people in the Bible ask questions, you know, why this, why now, and those type of things. But God did say, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. He sent the Holy Spirit. The Comforter has come. But Emmanuel literally means that God is with us. And so whatever you're facing in life, I want, to, I want you to know for sure that God is with us. And you're not facing whatever you're facing alone if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Without him is to be utterly alone. I think of the historian Edward Gibbon who made the statement as he was passing away, all is dark and doubtful. Man, I would not want to leave this life that way. All is dark and doubtful. Can you imagine such a statement? But with Christ as your Savior, you don't have to face the end of this life, the end of your days in that fashion. And so with the Lord's help, just a few quick thoughts this morning on that particular thing, a theme rather, and that is God with us, and so let's keep Him in Christmas. I think there are several things that we observe, and I want to draw your attention to a couple passages of Scripture. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 10, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work. Can you read that okay? Everybody see that all right? Okay. Your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And then Matthew chapter 23, verse 11 reminds us, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Keeping Christ in Christmas, first of all, the first thing that we see is the love of Christ has always been for others. Others. Uh, others. That means uh, you're not so worried about what is in it for you or what you have. Your focus is always on somebody else. You're, um, you know, there comes a place, by the way, and typically it comes with maturity, but you're not worried about what you're getting because you're looking for the opportunity to give to others. By the way, that's the heart of God. The Bible tells us, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave. 
And uh, the love of Christ is wrapped up in that, in that uh, God has always been concerned about others. Others, yes, Lord, others, let this my motto be, that I may live for others and henceforth live for Thee. And that's how we ought to approach uh, this season is, uh, what can I do for someone else? How can I help someone else? You know, one of the things that we've been doing uh, during the Christmas season, and I hope you've taken advantage of it, uh, and that's called the drive through difference. And it's the opportunity to just demonstrate this very point right here. The love of Christ is for others. Now, maybe you have been trying to find some of our church members to see if you could get behind them through the drive through lane. Because what it is, is it, it simply is you saying to a cashier as you're going through wherever you're at, saying, I want to take care of the person behind me, and you take care of their meal or their drink or whatever it might be. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, we've, every year we've done these types of things, we've had great response. People have called, messaged, emailed, or uh, posted on our pages and talked about, man, what a great thing it is to give. But you know what that is? You're just demonstrating what God has already done for you, and that is He's a giver. And so keeping Christ in Christmas, the first thought this morning is a love of Christ for others. We live in a world that is very selfish, and we focus on me and, and, uh, and what we want. I can remember as a boy getting the uh, Sears and Roebuck catalog, the, the wish book. How many of you remember that? Okay. Um, it, it didn't work, by the way. I circled every year the things that I wanted, and I don't remember. Uh, we didn't get a whole lot of those things, but it was a whole lot of fun to do that. But at the time, I, wasn't th- I didn't go through and, and circle what I wanted my sister to have or what I wanted my brothers to have. Man, I circled all my stuff. I went this and I went that, you know, and I still never got my big wheel, you know. I mean, uh, but I'm over it, really. I'm, I'm far past it now. But, uh, man, I, I can remember going through that book, circling all those things, and I was thinking about what I would like and what I would want. And uh, you know that's how we are. We're typically... Uh, zeroed in or focused on ourselves. But one of the great things about Christmas is it does remind us that if we keep Him in Christmas, we're living our lives in a way that is pleasing and honoring to Him. And by doing that, we want to live for Christ by living for others. And so I, I promise you this, this season, every season to be sure, but this season in particular, God will put somebody on your heart that needs something. Maybe it's not a monetary gift. Maybe it's not a physical gift. But I I promise you, if you ask the Lord, show me someone that needs a kind word. Maybe someone that needs a gesture. Maybe they need a token or an expression of your love and appreciation for them. or Or the thought, in fact, that you are praying for them in what might be a great time for you, but perhaps even a difficult time for them. And so the love of Christ teaches us, keeping Christ in Christmas, the love of Christ for others. Then uh, let me look at a couple other verses. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, verse we quoted, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. If you're not familiar with that passage or that verse, the Son of Man is a reference to Jesus Christ, God incarnate, God wrapped in flesh. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. It tells us very clearly that's the reason He came. We understand, of course, the manger scenes, and I'm not against those. In fact, I'm Everything that points to keeping Christ in Christmas and and reminding people about what the season is all about, I'm for. But the Bible says this is why he came, to seek and to save that which was lost. You know why that's significant? Because I never went looking for God. Sometimes there was a thing years ago and people would say, I found it. Well, you never found God because he wasn't lost. And you and I never had the capacity to seek him. 
The Bible says, and you have to trust the Word of God, not the thoughts or opinions of man. The Word of God says, there is none that seeketh after God. We go estranged from the womb, the Bible says. Nobody had to teach me how to lie. Nobody had to teach me, teach me how to steal. I, all of that came natural. That's the natural man. The Bible says, the natural man discerneth not doesn't understand or comprehend the things of God. But he said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. You ever been hunting and never found anything? You were seeking, but you didn't find anything. But, uh, but God said that he came specifically looking for you as a sinner. You say, who is that? Well, that's me. We all qualify. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So you don't have to wonder, was that me? Yeah, you are the one that God had in mind, and so was I, and it's a great thing. When the Bible says, for God so loved the world, that's, a, that's pretty all-inclusive. I don't have to struggle with what that means. Sometimes people say, oh, I just have a hard time understanding the Bible. Try John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, I love that, Believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It means no matter whether you're in church or out of church, whether you're, uh, you, you know, uh, wealthy or impoverished, God came to die for you. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So the love of Christ we see is for others, and then we see the heart of Christ is for the lost. Why is that significant? Because it ought to always be on our thoughts. I was talking to a, a pastor, friend of mine, and he, he was talking about an evangelist who passed away in his 90s, and he used to keep a, he kept uh, these little New Testaments where he would, where he would uh, write, write down the names of every person that he had led to Christ. And he'd been in ministry for over 60 years. And when his children uh, were going through his books and his belongings, they started going through each one of those New Testaments, and there were scores of them. He had one room where there were shelves lined with those New Testaments. And the last count, they were still counting, they had, they had calculated and read the names of more than 100,000 people that he led to Christ in over 60 years of ministry. This pastor, was, this pastor who knew him and was friends with the family, when he told me that, I thought, man, can you imagine what it was like when he got to heaven? Let me ask you a question. Will anybody be in heaven because of you? Oh, pastor, we're supposed to have a great time. It's Christmas season. Yes, but I want you to think about that. Because the greatest gift you could ever give to someone is the gospel. You know, it's the one gift that you can get and give away and still have. Some of you are trying to rethink that for a moment. When you got it, you could give it away and you'd still keep it. Now, there's nothing like that. You know, there's a lot of gifts we'd like to re-gift. You know, we had a, uh, in our connection group this morning, we had a white elephant gift exchange. And last year, someone got this, uh, um, oh, where's Justin? Is Justin in here? Is he in junior church? It's a shop light. And it, uh, this little shop light, and uh, Justin got it last year, and guess what? Justin never used it, and he gave it this year. And Danny, Danny got the uh, shop light in our class this morning, and my guess is that Danny will probably be giving that away next year, if not before then. And no, I don't need one, okay? I'm good. But there's a lot of gifts that we get, and we think, man, I, I'm going to be re-gifting that one. 
I, I remember my mom when we were in high school, me and, I had two older brothers. I was the middle child, still suffering from that, by the way. But the middle child, two older brothers, then a sister um, after me, and then a brother. But one Christmas, my mom, and this was, a, you know, you know it was a dumb idea now, don't you, mom? But uh, I, all, me and my two older brothers were all in high school, and she gave us matching turtleneck sweaters. And they were, they were just kind of these droopy neck sweaters. It might be cool someplace, but it wasn't cool where I was, man, I'm telling you. And so my dad, I'll never forget this, my dad's on the couch laughing as we're opening them because my dad is thinking, you poor guys. And so mom, of course, wanted us to put them on and, and wear them so she could see us and get a picture. And so we put them on. That was the only time I ever wore that sweater. And I never wore it again, but the three of us came out. Dad took the picture. I don't even know what happened to the picture. If I had it, I wouldn't show it to you anyway. But uh, you'd probably like to see it, I'm sure. But, but man, I thought about that gift. And sometimes you get a gift and you think, wow, man, I, I can't wait to give that to someone else. But boy, when I got saved, it was a gift that I could give away and still keep. There is no gift on the planet like that. And so, uh, praise the Lord for that. So, we see the love of Christ is for others. And then secondly, the heart of Christ is for the lost. And then the third thing that we noticed is in keeping Christ in Christmas is we see the provision of Christ. By that, we see the needs and hurts of everywhere. And I'll tell you, you don't have to go very far at all to see hurts and disappointments. Um, we, mentioned, uh, we mentioned a friend of ours in a and a friend of, I know Adam and Rachel here, and knew, knew them as well. And, um, but boy, my wife and I were talking yesterday, I think it was at the airport. We were, we were sitting at the airport, coming, getting ready to board our plane. And uh, I, I, I think in the last month, there are six families that we know just in the last month or so where a spouse passed away. And some of them very young. And of course, we saw, you know, Brother Bailey went, went to heaven just a month ago. And uh, man, I'm, I'm still wrestling with that one. And I think about all of the things that happen and go on in this world. And I think of Brother Munoz and his mother passing away and uh, having to make a trip out of the country. And, you know, there's hurt everywhere. Everywhere. Make no mistake about it. And one of the things, one of the great things about keeping Christ in Christmas is we understand God said, I'm not going to leave you to deal with that on your own. He said, I'm going to send you a comforter. Now, now, to be honest with you, the Bible gives us the example of the nation of Israel and refers to Israel as Rachel, that there was a great weeping and she would not be comforted. And sometimes people resist the comfort that God wants to give. But I'm going to tell you something. You're going through a difficult time right now. God wants to put his arms around you. You're going through some hurt right now. Maybe nobody even knows about it. You say, well, I can't even talk about this to anybody. Nobody has a clue about this. I promise you this. The Bible says, surely... He hath borne, that's past tense, our sorrows. That means God's already carried everything that you're going to have to deal with in this life. And if you're lugging it around today, it's of your own volition and your own choosing. God says, I got that. I got that. And whatever you face in this world, trust and know that God with us means I'm going to take care of you. That doesn't mean that you are going to have everything. You know, there's a difference between our needs and our wants. You know, sometimes we say, uh, uh, well, you know, I'd like to have this or I want this, but it may not be what you need. God reminds us, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Sometimes we may pray selfishly, 
The Bible says that we ask of our own lust so that we can consume it ourselves. If you're praying for money so that you can give to missions, that might be a prayer God answers. If you're praying for money so that you can drive a, a, a better car, you want things, and nothing wrong with a better car. Don't misunderstand me. That's not what I'm talking about. But if your motive behind your prayer is, God bless me for me, then it's less likely to be answered. But if you say, God bless me so that I can bless others, that prayer is not often prayed. And I think what God says is, I want to take care of you. And God loves those who are willing to do exactly what He does. And that leads us uh, to the next thought, and, and that is this. Keeping Christ in Christmas, we see the joy of Christ is giving and forgiving. You know, that's so significant. And I want to I share a couple passages of Scripture. The Bible reminds us, Acts <coughs> chapter 20 and verse 35, I've showed you all things how that so labor and you ought to support the weak. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, now notice this, how He said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Boy, especially as we're younger, we don't think that, well, you know, I don't know about that verse. It's pretty cool getting some gifts. And everybody, I don't know anybody that doesn't enjoy getting gifts. But God doesn't say joy. He says blessed. There is greater blessing for the giver than the receiver. Now, you think about that for a moment. Because God was the greatest giver. And he said the blessing was on him for giving his son. Think about that. But it's not just that blessing, it's the pattern that he showed and he demonstrated to us. And so this particular week, it's an easy inroad to give. You know, it's like I said before, it's very easy to, you know, um, yesterday we, I was returning our, we had rented a car, we were, we were uh, out of town for a few days and it didn't go very well. We went to see Kentucky play two games and, well, um, they didn't come. Um, they were there, but they went 0 for 2. And so, so that, that part was unpleasant, but we had a good time together with family and, and those kind of things. And so that was enjoyable. But while we were there, I, t- I took the rental car back. And everybody, it's like, happy holidays, season's greetings. Like, can we say Merry Christmas? You know, it really is. I, I, seriously, I think sometimes they're, they're a little bit reluctant to do that. And so, boy, take advantage of the opportunity to say Merry Christmas. And I did find this. Everybody I said it to said it back, like, back at you, Merry Christmas. Like, it's okay. I just want to make sure you're okay with Merry Christmas. I'm okay with Merry Christmas. But one of the things we see, particularly during this season, is our Lord reminds us, hey, give. And the next part of that is forgiving. The Bible reminds us, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. I love this verse. We quote it often. Be kind one to another. You don't always feel like it, especially in the holidays. Sometimes you get pressed and, you know, you're, you're waiting in line at the checkout or you're trying to get that last. And by the way, if you've waited this late for your... <laughs> Someone said this morning that they hadn't even started their Christmas shopping. Well, um, that's, you, you might be a little bit late, but... Uh, but uh, you know, the, the Bible tells us here, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. The greatest gift you ever received was the gift of forgiveness. You know what that means? It means as if I never sinned. That's what justification means, just as if I never sinned. What God says is, I want you to demonstrate that same capacity to others. I'm talking to somebody today, probably, listen to me. I'm talking to somebody today who's been wronged or wounded, unjustly so, and you're wrestling with forgiving that person. In a crowd this size, I'm sure of it. I don't know of anybody in particular, but I would imagine there's somebody here, and you, yeah, but you don't know what he did. No, I don't. 
But I know that every wound and every wrong was first against God. You think, no, it was against me. No, it was against God. That's why Joseph, when he was tempted by Potiphar's wife, he said, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He didn't mention Potiphar. Everybody in the world would have said, how could you do that to Potiphar? He was taking good care of you. That's not what Joseph said. Joseph said, how can I do this great wickedness against God? Because he realized that first and foremost, every sin is against God. You know why? Because you didn't write the Ten Commandments. God did. You're not the one who came up with the moral code, which, by the way, is the pillar and foundation for our, our, our legal system, our judicial system that we have today. It's why the Word of God is so important. It's paramount for a good and civil society. And I'm not going to run down that road today, but I, as a rabbit I just let out, and shoo, I'll come back another day. But the fact is, when God gave us those commandments, one of the things he said was, you know, I, I'm going to offer you forgiveness. And he said, those wrongs, those wounds, those were, that, that's my law, that's my word, and every sin and every offense is first against God Almighty. You may happen to be the human instrument that was wounded in some capacity, and I'm not minimizing that at all. Every person from the platform to the last chair in here has been wronged at some point in life. And if you haven't, hang on, it's coming. And when it does, you'll feel so insulted, so violated, so abused, and so wrong. How could they? And then God in heaven could say, they've been doing that since the garden. And every sin is first and foremost against God. The question is not, why can I not forgive him? The question is, how in the world could God forgive me? I look at 57 years of sinning and I realize, man, when the Bible says it is the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions, they fail not, I realize that, you know, know, sometimes people will say, well, boy, I'm just going to try to live the best I can and hope my good outweighs my bad. I don't want to try that. You really want to risk eternity, eternity over that? By the way, that's, that's not right. That, that's not biblical. It's not scriptural. It doesn't work that way. Number one, I could never be good enough because the Bible says there is none good. The Bible says there is none righteous. But can you imagine having to go through life? Boy, I hope I did okay today. Oh, yesterday was a real booger, man. I better, I better really heap up the goodness today. I got I to gotta get me a stack of those drive-through difference cards and, and try to you know, make up for yesterday. I don't want to have to live that way. Because I realize that it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He has saved us. So let me ask you this. We asked a sobering question a few moments ago, and, is that, and that was, will anybody be in heaven because of you or me? The second one is this. Is, is there anybody in your life, past or present, who needs forgiveness and you have not yet extended it? That's a pointed question. Because if there is, then it's a wrong that you ought to endeavor to make right. It doesn't mean that, it, that it, uh, it, it wipes it out completely, but it does mean in your heart you're trying to take the approach of Christ, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So to keep Christ in Christmas and to experience the joy of Christ, I want to be a giver, but also want to be a forgiver. How hypocritical would it be for me to live my life enjoying and experiencing the forgiveness of God and being reluctant to extend it to anyone who's wronged or wounded me? For the child of God, it is the height of hypocrisy because God is a giver and a forgiver. And then finally, 
The last thought is this, keeping Christ in Christmas, we see the light of Christ is the way. The Bible reminds us, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's so significant in that verse, we've mentioned it a time or two before, but all three of those are definite articles. In the English language, there are three articles, a, an, and the. The is significant. Jesus didn't say, I'm a way. I'm a truth. I'm a life. That means one of many. He said, no, I'm it. I'm the way, the truth, the life. And he follows it up in case there's any question or doubt. He says, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. You don't get there by good works. You could never be good enough. You don't get there by, by giving. You could never give enough. You don't get there by church membership. It's important. But that doesn't get you there. It is only through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way. Then one last verse that we'll share with you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not unto thine own understanding, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I would encourage you this week, really every week, keep Christ in Christmas. Don't just say it. It's great to have a sign. I love them. I see them in a lot of yards and and, uh, put up, and it says, keep Christ in Christmas, or Jesus is the reason for the season. But the fact is, you keep Christ in Christmas a number of ways. You do it by demonstrating the love of Christ for others. Who do you know that needs to know and experience the love of Jesus Christ? Then we see the heart of Christ for the lost. I think about that evangelist who had led in his lifetime. You think about that. A hundred thousand people personally, Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? That's staggering. Then we think about keeping Christ in Christmas. We think about the provision of Christ, not just for me, but for the needs and hurts of people everywhere. Then we think about the joy of Christ in giving and in giving forgiveness. And then finally, understanding that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I want to encourage you this week, keep Christ in Christmas. Shall we stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? And maybe you're here this morning, you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You say, what does that mean? Well, it's everything that we've talked about this morning, because truthfully, it's the only reason Jesus came, was to ensure that you could have a home in heaven, not by your works, but by placing your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the greatest gift you'll ever receive. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never trusted Jesus Christ. You'd have to say, boy, I'm not for sure that heaven's my home. If I were to draw my last breath, if my heart uh, took its last beat right now, I'm not sure where I'd spend eternity. But I want to remind you, it's something you better not be mistaken about. You could be wrong about a lot of things in life, but you can't be wrong about eternity. Maybe there's someone here today and you're thinking about forgiveness, and you've experienced, you've enjoyed the forgiveness that God has given you, but today, the Spirit of God reminded you of someone that you ought to extend forgiveness to. By the way, they may never ask for it. They may never feel they've wronged or erred in any way. Forgiveness does not have to be requested to be extended. Forgiveness comes from you, the wounded. 
regardless of the request. That's why Jesus, when he hung on the cross, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do long before they ever asked. Maybe you're thinking of someone that God impressed upon your heart that needs something. Maybe you would be the vessel, the tool, the instrument that God would use to demonstrate the love of Christ. Let's make sure this week that we keep Christ in Christmas. In a moment, the piano is going to play. You'll have an opportunity to respond. Maybe you're here and you'd say, boy, I want to get that settled. I want to know for sure that heaven's my home. It'd be the most important thing you'll ever do. Maybe God spoke to you about something very, very specific, and you'd like to take a moment to come down to the altar and pray. You're certainly welcome to pray there at your seat. There's something about coming to an altar in many ways that reminds us to come humbly before God. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. I would invite you to come when the piano plays. And if you need someone to pray with you, we have men who could help with men and ladies who could help with ladies who could take the Bible, the Word of God, in a matter of moments, show you how you could know for sure that heaven's your home. I pray you'll not miss that opportunity. That is keeping Christ in Christmas. Lord bless in our invitation, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you mind the Lord today? Just very, very quickly, you say, God spoke to me about something, and man, I I really want to talk to God about that today. I want to make something right with God, or I'm thinking about someone that God would have me to pray for. Maybe you're thinking about someone that's away from the Lord, and boy, this this week, God has impressed them upon your heart, or maybe someone that you want to do something for. You want to demonstrate that giving that comes with Christ. What a great song she's playing. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. Well, amen. Thank you for listening so very well. And I do hope that uh, this week, You'll take time to be thankful for the gift that is salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's not just say he's the reason for the season. Let's not just say keep Christ in Christmas. Let's endeavor in our own life, our own heart, our own family to make sure we make that a reality. If you're able to be back with us tonight, we certainly invite you to do that. That's at 5 o'clock. And then don't forget our midweek service. We'll have a Christmas Eve service, just a very, very brief time here Tuesday night, Christmas Eve at 5 o'clock. We encourage you to come. And if you're going to be traveling this week, we pray that uh, you'll be safe. And I want to encourage you to take advantage of every opportunity to be with your loved ones. Um, Man, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Um, It's just, uh, and I'll tell you, it flies by. The next thing you know, you realize, wow, where did the years go? And so if you get a chance to be with your family, uh, take full advantage of it. If you can't, give them a call if you're able to. And But otherwise, uh, from my wife and I, I hope you all have a great Christmas. I know many of you will be traveling and may not have an opportunity to see you before then. But thank you. And if you're a guest, we're, just, uh, we're so honored that you took time to be with us today. Make sure you drop off that connection card at the counter. We've got a gift we'd like to put into your hands as well. Rob, why don't you come up and pray, and uh, we'll be dismissed today. Make sure you show yourself friendly 
one toward another. God bless you. Robert, please. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful to be in your house today. Dear Lord, thank you for the pastor bringing him back safely. Thank you for the message, dear Lord, as, uh, as we go into this uh, uh, a few days before Christmas. Dear Lord, I pray that you would just let us be a blessing to, to others, dear Lord, and remember the reason for the season. Dear Lord, we're thankful for all you do. Dear Lord, I pray you bring us back safely tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you're dismissed. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.